0: Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. You guys ready for Christmas Day? Anybody? No? Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm pumped for Christmas. I love Christmas time. I want to just say a special welcome to everybody that's online with us. Thanks for, for checking us out today and getting to worship um, with us. We're back in our middle of our series called "A Cozy COVID Christmas," because honestly that's the reality that we find ourselves in. And, you know, so if you're, if you're at home right now or um, you're here right, right now, you, you should be able to see a tree um, wherever you are. And so if you're at home, you look over in your, in your living room at the tree. If you're here with us, look at all the trees behind us. And when we see a Christmas tree, it reminds us of the presents that are under the Christmas tree. That's just the reality of kind of the, the, the America we live in. There's always usually tree... Uh, Presents under the tree. And so I was thinking about like some terrible Christmas presents that have been given over the years. And maybe you've had some terrible presents that have been given to you. I was thinking about some of the ones maybe that I haven't been given, but just thinking in general the things that would be terrible to get. One, I, I think getting a snake for Christmas would be a really bad Christmas present, you know? Like I'd just be like, nope, done, just put it back, you know, we can take it, take it back wherever you got it from. Or some of y'all maybe will get some underwear this year for, for Christmas, and that'll be like, yes, that's what I'm wanting for, for a really long time. You know, if you have, you have a teenager and they're expecting something really big and awesome for Christmas, man, you should get them like, like a little tiny car, and that's all they get, not a real car, just a tiny car. They'd be really messed up. Or worse than that would be if you gave them a a, uh, a, a set of keys, right? You just gave them some keys, but it didn't go to a new car. It was just like, you know, some keys. That'd be really bad too. That's a good idea. I need to remember that. I need to do that one. Holly, remember that. We can, we can just keep that one in our pocket and use it later. But really, I figured, figured out what the worst Christmas present really is when you see next to the tree that big present and it's got your name on it. And you're like, yes, this is mine. All the other ones, who cares? I mean, I got this big old present. And you, you kind of, you always want to see how much it weighs, right? You know, so you, you pick up the present and it's got some weight to it. You're like, this is going to be really, really good, right? And so you wait till Christmas morning. Christmas time comes and you, you finally get to open this present. Everybody sits down. They're like, got anticipation going on. Everybody's like, what is this? And you open it up. And inside all you find are some bricks and a, another present. Have you ever happened to anybody? You find another present you're like, oh, you got to be kidding me, right? And everybody's kind of laughing at you, and you know, you're just like an idiot. And so you got to take that present out, and then you open that present up, and what's inside of that? Another present, another present right? And so you just go through this, this whole thing. Everybody, it's all planned. You look like, you look silly, and you open up all these different presents one after another till you get down to the real present. And hopefully it's a good one, but you never know. It could be my, maybe just a fake key. I don't know what it's going to be, but I was thinking about the Christmas story and really the Christmas story can be kind of stripped away. All the different aspects of the Christmas story until you get down to this central understanding that I think, I think is something we need to talk about today. As we're coming up to Christmas Day, the celebration of the Son of God being born here on this earth. And so it's all these different aspects of the Christmas story from from the angel visiting Mary, and you got the the shepherds, and you got Bethlehem, and the the distance they traveled there, and just everything that comes into this beautiful and amazing story. But there is something about this story that that really is really, really really profound. And when we strip it all away, we come to this understanding that this baby is, is given a few names. In fact, in the in the, the Christmas story, he is given two names. But if you think about it, the Son of God is given a ton of names in, in the Bible. And actually I have a, something on the screen that you can see. Here's a bunch of names. This is just a few of them, uh, of the, the names that the Son of God is given throughout Scripture. But today I want to focus on just two names. It really gets down to the, the heart of the Christmas story. And so the first name is actually found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And in verse 22, Matthew is, he's describing the, the events that are going to lead up to the birth of Jesus. And then he kind of stops and gives us a little bit of commentary and helps us understand what's, what's happening here. And he says this, says this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. He said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That is the first name that the Son of God, this baby, is given. He's given the name Emmanuel, which he describes and says, which means God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. It's a Hebrew title given to the Messiah describing God's proximity. We find it three times in the Bible. One here in Matthew, and then twice in Isaiah. And then in fact, that's what Matthew was doing. He was quoting Isaiah. So the question is what, is, what does it have to do with me? Like, what does it have to do with you, this name Emmanuel? But when we realize what his name means, there's a great personal truth that can be found, and it is this, that you are not alone. When I hear the name Emmanuel, and when you hear the name Emmanuel, our our understanding of of this truth should be that we are not alone. If God is with us, if he's next to us, if he's a part of our lives, the reality is that we are not alone. This This is a new reality that we need to understand. It's profound and it changes everything. It's like the difference between going to the or seeing a picture of the Grand Canyon and actually going and stepping up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, right? It's totally different. Or if you were to uh, watch a video of the, the creation of the Great Wall of China. And then you actually go and you stand on the Great Wall of China. Totally different. Or for me, one of the biggest things I can think of is going to or watching a, uh, a video or seeing a picture of the Pacific Ocean. Or hearing like ocean sounds and waves. And actually going to the beach in California and looking at the Pacific Ocean. Right? totally different. It makes you feel really small, doesn't it? Seeing the ocean and you get to see almost the curvature of the earth and you go, man, this is, this is magnificent and it's huge. And I feel really small right now, but it changes everything. When we realize that there is this, this new reality, when you're actually right there in the middle of it, and we need to remember this reality that this baby's name is Emmanuel, meaning that God is with us. And John understood that. He talked about it in John chapter one, And he said this in the word, talking about this baby. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father full of grace and truth. He says that that God himself came to dwell next to us, among us, right next to us. His name changes everything. You are not alone. That is a great truth. But more than that, it's saying that more than just being near, that God is near to us, he's also saying that he gets you, right? He gets you. He understands what you're going through. I think about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. The Bible describes that, that God understands your struggles. He understands your pain. He says, for we do you not have a high, pri- high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses? Meaning, we don't have a God that's up in heaven all by himself, you know, doing his own thing and just looking down at us and we're just totally detached. He's saying, you don't have someone like that that is God. He says, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near. We can come To God. We can come to God when we are tempted because He understands what that's like. We can come to God when we have deep loss in our lives because He understands what that's like. When we've been betrayed, we've been lied to, when we've been used, we can go to God because He understands what that's like. This name, Emmanuel, it changes everything because it shows us the very nature of God, this intimate nature that he wants to be right near us. And that is great news. But this baby is given another name. and It's an even greater name, and it shows the power that he has. Look in Luke chapter 2, all the way down to verse 21. Well, The last several weeks we've been talking through Luke uh, chapter 2, 1 through 20. But 21 might be, out of all the verses in this Christmas story, I think it's probably the most profound verse out of all of them. Here's what it says. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This baby is given this name that is incredible. This name, Jesus. Let me tell you just how incredible that is. Jesus' name means God saves. It means God saves. It describes who Jesus is, and it describes what he does. It describes that he is the Savior, but also describes that he brings salvation. Y'all know what y'all's names mean? Your name means? I was thinking, like, what is my name? Because, I mean, Jesus has this really cool, awesome name that means so much. And so I was thinking about, what does my name mean? And so I looked it up, um, and my name, Clayton, comes from two um, old English verbs. When you put them together, one is clag okay, which means clay, and the other one is ton, which means just village. And so really my name means village on clay. Woo! Awesome. This is inspiring. Thanks, mom and dad. Y'all nailed it. Good job. Okay. No, I love my name. That's great. But uh, I was looking up some, some on like these baby uh, name websites. here. you you know, anybody ever done that? Like you're trying to figure out what you can name your kids. So you go and figure out what the top baby names are. And I was looking at it and I went to my name and I, I found this comment on the comment section. And I had to, I had to share this with you. Here's what, here's what someone said about my name. It sounds like a redneck name. And the nickname Clay is just as dumb. Who would want to be called something that is so similar to dirt? When I hear this name, I picture someone who wears a cowboy hat, has a Hick accent, and chews tobacco, ugh, right? (laughs) Thanks a lot, right? You know, today we don't choose uh, names all all the time that have deep meaning. A lot of times it's just a name that we like, or it's a family name, but back in in biblical times, names had deep meaning, and they had deep significance to them, and so what I want to do just real quickly is just kind of break apart the name of Jesus, because I think this can really change some of, our, some, some of the things that we understand about the Son of God. So if we take Jesus' name, and the real Hebrew and Aramaic name, the transliterated name of Jesus is Yeshua. It's Yeshua. That is the name of the Son of God. And it's a combination of two kind of words. Just like Clayton is a combination of two words, the name Yeshua is a combination of two words. One is yah It's an abbreviation of Yahweh, the Old Testament name for God. So it's Yah. And then the second part of that is Yasha, which means rescue or deliver or save. And so what Jesus' real name, what Yeshua, what it means is that God saves. That is his name. Now, how in the world did we get from Yeshua to Jesus? I mean, that's something we kind of need to figure out. And so on this next slide, it just kind of shows you a little bit. So you you have Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name. Okay, Uh, directly from from the the Hebrew here. And so if you translate that into just directly into English, you actually get Joshua. Do you know that? You go from Yeshua, you actually literally get Joshua. But we know that the New Testament was not written in Hebrew, it was written mainly in Greek. And so what they did is they they took the Hebrew of Yeshua and they translated that into Greek, and you get Iesus in Greek. And when you take the Greek Iesus, and you translate that into English, you get Jesus. It's kind of cool to think about. And all those names of the Son of God, you know what they mean? They mean that God saves. In John chapter 3, after the most famous verse in all the Bible, after 3.16, 3.17 is just as profound, and here's what it says. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Okay? Jesus' name does not mean that God condemns. Thank goodness, right? No. It says, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God sent Jesus to this earth to save us. That describes his mission. His mission on this earth is to save and to deliver. So the question I have for us is, well, what does that mean for us? So we talked about his name, Emmanuel, but what about his name, Jesus? What does that mean for us? And I believe it means this, that you have a future. You and I have a future because of the name of Jesus. So, I grew up in West Texas, and in the '80s, and West Texas in the '80s was known for three things: Um, oil and the crash of oil. Okay, it was known for high school football, and for this little girl named Jessica. So, in 1987, there was this little baby. She was 18 months old in Midland, Texas. And she was um, at a, a childcare place, it was actually a house, it was her aunt's house, and they were in the backyard and they were running around, and there was this well, this open well, and it was eight inches around this hole in the ground, this pipe, and she fell in, 18 months old, and she fell down 20 to 22 feet, way down in the ground. And for the next 57 hours, they tried to get her out, and it was all over the news. And just national news just converged on West Texas, and they were just around-the-clock coverage of this. And they ended up having to, to dig a separate hole right next to, to the well, and then tunnel sideways, and then cut out the, the pipe and be able to save her, and she survived. And it's incredible to think about this story that she was stuck down in this well, and then she was saved. Well, I think there's something we need to realize today is that sin has an incredible shovel. In fact, sin probably is the shovel of our lives. And what we do with that is we just dig. And we dig ourselves into a pit. Every single one of us, we're just digging ourselves into this pit that you know what? You and I can never get out of. When we hear the name Jesus, that God saves. It's, it's just like as Jesus was coming down into that pit and offering you his hand. But the scary part of that verse of John three seventeen is that it doesn't say that that Jesus, he's going to save or always saves. It says that, it says this, it says that the world might be saved through him. In fact, that that word might is is really scary to me. Because what that means is that there's a part in this salvation that you have to to do. That you're stuck in this pit and you cannot get out of this pit. And sin, you've dug yourself into this pit. And Jesus is right there. As his name says, I am the one who saves. He is God that saves. And he reaches down into this pit to try to save you. But you have to reach up too, right? You have to make the choice to choose Jesus. And when we hear his name, it ought to cause us to choose him. But also, his name ought to cause us to react in another way. Have you all been to the doctor and... You've you've had that uh, that little hammer, the little triangular looking hammer, and they're gonna do like that knee test. You know what I'm talking about? And so you have this. They hit your hit your knee, and you are like, oh, that was cool. Do that again, right? And you just do it, right? Well, I was I was thinking about this, and so you got to think of Jesus' name as a hammer, okay? Kind of volunteer? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, now get... <laughs> but his name ought to cause us to react in a certain way. If you've ever been nailing something, and you got your thumb right next to that nail, and you go down, you, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Okay, so if you were to, to hit your finger, your thumb, with a hammer, what do you do? Scream. scream. Usually there's some cuss words that come out, just naturally, all right? okay? Sorry, just being honest, being real, okay? So when you hit your, your thumb with this hammer, it hurts really bad, and there's a natural reaction to that. There's a natural reflex to that. And when we hear the name of Jesus, there needs to be this natural spiritual reflex that we that changes how we live our lives and changes everything. And it's this. This is just the last part of the message today. When we hear the name of Jesus, it ought to make your life one big thank you. Think about that. If you go on Christmas morning and you get that perfect gift. And it's, it's the best gift that you've ever gotten. It was a total surprise. They just nailed it perfect. I mean, you couldn't even, couldn't even imagine receiving something so great and so thoughtful. What do you say? You say, about time, right? I deserve this, this is mine. No, you don't say that. You say, thank you. And if you're down in a pit, and you've lost your fingernails and your hands are bloody because you've been trying to dig yourself out and claw yourself out for so, so long and you have lost all hope and all of a sudden there is someone at the edge of the pit and they throw a rope down and you grab onto that rope and they pull you out, what do you say? About time, huh? No, you don't say that. You naturally say, thank you and you hug them, and you say, you you saved me. In this Christmas time, when we hear the name of this baby, Jesus, should make us want to live our lives for him, right? It should change everything. It It should cause you to want to make your life just one big, giant thank you. And the way you can do that is by first, trust in him. It's hard to say thank you if, if you haven't chosen him. If his hand's down there, you don't say thank you while you're down in the pit. You grab onto his hand, and he pulls you up out of it, and then you say thank you. So the first thing that needs to happen today in this room or online is you got to choose Jesus. you got to say yes to Jesus. For some of you here, that maybe that needs to be the first thing that you do when you hear the name of Jesus, that he is God who saves. You gotta trust in him. Our staff is here. We'd love to be able to share what that looks like, how you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can say yes to Jesus here in a little bit. We'd love to, to talk to you a little bit more in this connection room. But for a lot of us in this room, we've already, we've already done that. We've already done that first thank you. We've already chosen Jesus, but what are we supposed to do now? How do we make our lives like, like one big giant thank you? And so if we just get real for a minute, Just just kind of think about this, it's, it's all about worship. And I know we, we sing songs, we got the lights down and we got the, the fog machines going and it's just awesome, you got the drums and you're kind of moving with the music and that's, that is a form of worship. But honestly, worship that really pleases God is when we make our lives a big thank you. And the way we do that is with intentional relationships, right? When the, li- when the, when the people I come into contact with, they're not just just random relationships, but it's how can I use my influence to point people to Jesus? Or if you are a business owner, or you're in some type of leadership at work, that you would use that ownership of that leadership not to make a lot more money and, and to get notoriety yourself, but how can I point people to Jesus in my business? Maybe it's just living a holy life, you know? Say, I'm gonna make my life, every time I get up in the morning, I'm gonna read my Bible, I'm gonna pray, I'm I'm gonna make my life just totally focused on Christ. I'm gonna make my life an act of worship. So many different ways that we can worship Jesus. But it should be, not because we have to, but because we want to. It's a natural reflex. When his name is like a hammer in your life and you understand that Emmanuel, God is with us, meaning you're not alone. Praise God, we are not alone. He is right here beside us. He has come down to be with us. When we hear his name, Jesus, God saves. It means that you have a future. You're not stuck in that pit. So let's live our lives for Christ, amen? This Christmas time, Christmas morning, when you open up your presents, Think about the gift that God has given you. He's given you Jesus, who's willing to save you. So let's worship him in everything we do. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We love you for what you've done for us. That you sent Jesus, and what a beautiful name that is. God saves. Thank you for bringing Emmanuel, God, with us. You've done all the work, God, but you cause us, you call us to, to choose you. And you also call us to worship you. So, God, I pray. I pray for Central Baptist. I pray for everyone here. I pray for everyone online who is, who is praying right now, who's heard this message, who is looked at scripture today and seen the profound beauty and magnitude of the son of God's name Emmanuel and Jesus and I pray God that you would move in our spirits to make our lives not about ourselves but about you help us to worship you every single day may our lives be just one big giant thank you back to you for what you've done for us thank you Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus, the Son of God, coming down to this earth to be with us and to save us. May we worship you this Christmas, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.